All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Lori, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, let's open up a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you so much, and we just celebrate what you're doing here this um, at Westlight, Lord, and are just so pleased and just surprised at what you are doing and how you're moving. And Lord, we just continue to ask. We don't know why you poured out your favor on us, um, but we just ask for more. We just want more of you, Lord. So I pray that you would speak through me this morning, that the words that um, are shared would just glorify you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I'm making feedback. So, um, let's do this. Let's, why don't we all stand up? And we're going to all read the Magnificat together. This is Mary's, ooh, Mary's song um, that she sang. So we'll all read together, read slowly and clearly, and let's go to, let's, let's do this. Thank you. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Thank you. You can have a seat. <laughs> okay, so we're going through the book of Luke. That was a passage from Luke 1. And um, as we've been going through Luke, Luke tells the story of, you know, to his people and his readers um, will be pointed back to people of the Old Testament, what we call ghosts, the Christmas past. And last week we talked about Mary, right, the mother of Jesus, and how she embraced the wait. She had to wait, and she, she, you know, she knew, or we know that God's not in a hurry, that he will take his time doing things. And even though um, it seems like when we're in the midst of the wait, it feels like God is punishing us, that it's really an invitation to love. That as we wait and we learn to listen and trust in him, that we're going to grow deeper in our love and our intimacy and in our relationship with him. And so the thing about waiting is, waiting. there's a difference between waiting for difficult things and waiting for joyful things. Um, they both require that we embrace the wait they both require that we listen, that we be present in the moment, that we trust in God. But if there were different, we're hoping for different things, or we're waiting for different things, right? And so if you can imagine, I have an example for you from my own life. Um, if we could show the picture. <laughs> okay, so it's weird. Like when a few months after Paul and I found out that, you know, we were pregnant with Jordan, and there's Jordan. Um... <laughs> 
I had to point out, because you know, like, in, I don't know, you guys are too young for friends, but they're like, do you see him? And I'm like, no, no. So I wanted to point out, that's her head, and those are her hands. And in my mind, I like to imagine she's praying in utero. Um, but when we found out that we were pregnant with Jordan, a few months after that, um, I found out that my mom had lung cancer. And so it was just the strangest time in my life, Right? And so if you can imagine, you know, we have, the, you know, our, our ultrasound, and Paul was out of town, and, and I just couldn't wait to show him, you know, this first image of life and excitement. And so I remember this is before the day of, like, you could go to the gate and meet your the person you're picking up. And, and I, I had the picture, and I, I, like, was waiting for him at the, at the gate, and, and I showed him the picture, and I was just crying because I was so excited. It was, you know, like, look at the picture of our baby. This is true. You know, I can't wait to see her. So imagine, like, that moment. And the moment, this isn't uh, an actual picture of my mom's x-ray. We threw that away. We didn't think it was necessary to keep it. So I got this from the internet, but it's similar. <laughs> But um, imagine the moment my mom worked at the hospital and they gave her her own x-ray. I don't know. And, um, and imagine my mom telling me, you know, that I have cancer. And so I'm mixed, you know, with these mixed emotions. Like I'm waiting, right? I can't, I, I love my mom and I, I want time to go by slowly. I mean, I'm waiting for something that's sad that's going to happen. And, and I, I don't want time to to go by quickly. I want to be with her every moment. And at the same time, I'm, I, I'm waiting. I want time to go by quickly because I want, I want to hold this baby that I've been, you know, I can't wait to see and, and, and imagine, you know, God created her to be. And, and so it was just kind of this weird thing. But Mary, she was excited. She was waiting with hope and joy for the birth of her son, Jesus. You know, what would she do? And how would, you know, where could she go? After the angel tells her, you know, she's like, what? Who's going to affirm my decision to say yes to God? And so she goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who, you know, we, we read that, you know, she was already six months pregnant, that, that the angel Gabriel had come and told her that, you know, she wasn't able to have children, but that she was going to have a child. And so here she is. She's experienced kind of the same thing. And so Mary goes to her, and, and they, you know, she, as soon as Mary sees her, you know, um, Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's stomach just leaps out of, you know, for joy. And the Holy Spirit comes and, you know, Elizabeth just affirms, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on Elizabeth, and Elizabeth affirms Mary's decision. You did the right thing. And you know what? We both are so blessed. We're blessed. God has just given us this promise, and, and man, we are so blessed and Mary recognized that she is indeed blessed. And that's why she wrote the song, the, the song that we read together at the beginning of the, of the message. Mary's song praises God for what he's done for her. She praises God, right? We talked about words of, of praise for who he is and what he will do. Mary's song echoes the song of Hannah back in the Old Testament, that she's our ghost for today. Our ghost of Christmas past. Hannah was married to Elkanah, and she was a humble woman of grace and faith. Hannah longed for a child. I love what Elkanah says. He's like, Hannah, I know you want a child, but am I, am I not worth ten children? And she's like, no. <laughs> no, I want a child. 
Hannah longed for a child and was unable to conceive for years. And year after year, Elkanah's other wife would ridicule her, just taunt her, just make fun of her for not being able to conceive. But Hannah never said anything negative. God had promised her a child, and, and she never failed to like, not trust in God. She had just this unwavering faith. And, and God promised her a child. He gave her a child. And, and Hannah gave birth to a son named Samuel. And as she promised when you read this story, she said, God, if you give me a son, I promise I will give him back to you. And she kept that promise. And she, gave, she dedicated her child to God. I love how Mary's song highlights Hannah's heart and her, who she is and her humbleness and her faith. But Hannah and Mary sing dangerous songs of salvation that really challenge the status quo. The, the forces that kept humanity from life and freedom. When Mary says, you know, I, I'm so, you know, when she rejoices in God, her Savior, she's not just saying, oh, I rejoice in God, my Savior, like when we sing our worship songs. Her words are really like war- songs of victory and joy. Of, a, of God's saving power on humanity from the horrific oppression and suffering that they were experiencing. The Greek word for loneliness that she uses, is that me? <laughs> the Greek word for loneliness that she ex- uh, describes um, is, is, includes misery and pain and persecution and oppression of the poor. So Mary's not just speaking, you know, of like, oh, I'm like lowly. I mean, she really has speaking of her actual position of like her struggle to survive. Mary reminds us that God is where the poor and the wounded and the neglected and the the infertile are. And she rejoices and she sings and she dances with she does it with Elizabeth because she knows that God has chosen her, that God has filled her with her with the Holy Spirit, and that this baby of compassion and justice was going to be born in the midst of the oppression and the suffering and the agony. Neither Mary or Elizabeth waited for the Messiah alone. Embracing the wait is meant to be done together. Embracing the weight is meant to be done together. For the next three months, right, she goes to visit. She stays with her. She, you know, Mary stays with Elizabeth. And, and Elizabeth, you know, is further along, a little bit further along in her pregnancy. And, and, and Mary watches her and learns from her and, and imagines, like, okay, this is what, this is what Elizabeth's going through. And, and I can only imagine what I'm going to be going through in a few months. She learns from, you know, the older person who's more wise, who's lived life. But Mary's not the only one who's blessed, right? Elizabeth is blessed by Mary's youth and her energy and her questions and her new ideas. They both are blessed as they embrace their weight together. They, are, they make space for one another. They are present for one another. They listen to one another. They help each other focus their their thoughts on God. And they strengthen their faith together just by being themselves. 
I don't think they did it perfectly. There were probably times when maybe Mary's like, Elizabeth, can you listen to me? <laughs> don't, don't solve the problem. Just tell me what, you know, just listen to me. But the important thing was that they were going through this together. I have an Elizabeth in my life. Um, I have an older sister, um, Karen. And I don't know how this happens, but like her oldest son is nine months older than Jordan. And her second child is like nine months older than Micah. Like I clearly subconsciously, she's really my Elizabeth in so many ways. But during that time when, you know, um, my nephew was being born, I remember going to the hospital. I remember just like, oh, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I don't, don't want to do. And I remember just listening. And, and we spent a lot of time together. She she lived um, in the valley. And, and, and so we just spend a whole, you know, there were opportunities for us to spend time together. And, and there were times when we would talk, like, okay, this is so weird. Like, we're waiting for our children. We're, we're, we can't wait to see what they're going to grow up to be like. And at the same time, you know, our mom goes through chemo or our mom has to go through surgery. And, you know, we just have this, this weird thing where we could be crying one day, you know, one moment, but happy the next. And it was so valuable for me to have my sister there. And, uh, and I'm sure it was reciprocal because we understood what each other was going through. We could foc- you know, help each other focus in, on, on God and, and his comfort and his strength. We experienced the joys and the sorrows and, and we learned from each other. We, we supported one another. I'm sure there were times when she wanted me to listen and I didn't do it perfectly or I was focused on myself. Or, but I think the important thing was that we were together, that we embraced the weight together, that we were present for one another, just being who, who we were. Henry Nowen has this quote. He wrote this about Elizabeth and Mary. He said, They could wait together and thus deepen each other their faith. They could wait together and thus deepen in each other their faith in God, for whom nothing is impossible. Thus God's most radical intervention in history was listened to and received in community. So embracing the weight together is creating space for one another. It's being present with one another. Just being who you are. You don't have to have a whole lot of wisdom You don't have to say anything special or magical or spiritual. It's just being together and listening to God together and trusting God together. Maybe if you're going through something right now, you know, we could follow Mary's example of intentionally going to someone who who can help us, who, who can listen to us, who can affirm the decisions that we've made. Someone who's maybe a little bit ahead of us, maybe a little older. Someone more experienced in the wait. Someone we can shadow and learn from. Someone who will support us and provide wisdom. And maybe if you are that older person, you don't necessarily have to be older, but maybe you are the person who's a little bit ahead. If someone comes to you, embracing the wait means that we create that space for them and open up our doors Maybe it's for three months. Maybe it's for one coffee meeting. But do we allow space for God to move to help us give, to see his hope together?
in the process of embracing the weight together, we'll, we'll find our faith and our trust in God is strengthened just in the day-to-day listening. It's like we'll be waiting together, and at the end of the time, we'll be, whoa, we have so much more faith and trust in God. Embracing the weight together affirms the hope we have in Christ that allows us to, to say that God is good, even in the challenge and the struggle, even when we feel stretched beyond what we, can, what we think we can handle. Let's pray.